0: Hallelujah. Jesus Christ is born. Amen? That is what we celebrate tonight. We want to welcome you once again. We are so glad that you are here on this holy, sacred night. First, let me just say, praise God for the talent that we have in this church family. Give God praise for the worship team one more time tonight. All the the band. Uh, all the musicians, uh, people working behind the scenes, uh, as well as our, uh, our resident uh, chalk artist, Sarah Burrier, over here tonight that's going to be uh, just worshiping through art. And maybe you've never seen something like that before, but Sarah has this gift for just listening to God, and that's her task tonight is to listen to God and worship through what you're going to see develop on the canvas. So you'll never hear another pastor probably say this, but I'm giving you permission to not pay attention to me if you don't want to. Uh, If that's more intriguing, focus on that. There's a lot of different ways that we can worship. There's so many people that make these services happen. There's a few of us that are up here on stage that you see, but there are literally hundreds of people behind the scenes making these services work. From the people that greeted you in the parking lot with the the Mary Poppins look uh, with the umbrella and everything, uh, in, in the vests and the carolers and the cookies and the, the coffee and everything like that. Praise God for all of the wonderful servant hearts. Let's thank them tonight for everything that they do. Absolutely. <laughs> You'll notice there's been a lot of music tonight, not just on Christmas, but throughout the year. There's a reason that these services are filled with music and songs because there's very few things that speak to us like music. It's been said that music is the language of of the heart. The language of the heart. We interpret things through our voices, through our words, but music speaks to us on a deeper level, and that's why we love this time of year. That's why we love songs like I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day, which you just heard the band do for you up here. We kind of spiced it up a little bit for 2015. Uh, It's an old, old song, and you may have heard that song before, but what you may not know, who you may not know, is the author, the words to that song that you heard played for you tonight were actually written first on Christmas Day. Christmas Day, all the way back in 1863, right in the middle of the Civil War. It was a poem called Christmas Bells, and it was written by a man named Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. And you thought you had a cool name. Try that, right? And so we got a picture of him. I don't, I, I'm i guessing you would probably want that guy at your Christmas family gathering. He looks like quite the party animal to have. But Longfellow was quite the poet and had, uh, had a lot of poems he written, but he never written any songs. It was later that that those words actually became a song, but it was the music that he heard, it were the it was the bells as he walked through the town square on Christmas Day that made his soul come alive, that reminded him that no matter what life throws our way, all will be well. All will be well, and so he penned these words not to have it be some famous song, but just the reflections of his heart he wrote i heard the bells on christmas day their old familiar carols play and wild and sweet the words repeat of peace on earth goodwill to men peace on earth those are such familiar words that we just kind of throw around this time of year and they can kind of become old hat if we're not careful if we don't stop to think what they truly Mean That's our theme tonight at all of our campuses around hope. At all the different sites, we're talking about peace. We're talking about heavenly peace. We're going to sing about it later on as we sing Silent Night, as we do every year. We're going to sing Sleep in Heavenly Peace. Do we know what we're singing? Do we know what we're saying? This is a time of year for peace. People find find themselves, maybe you do, making peace with those in your life that maybe you've wronged or that have wronged you, and you're offering forgiveness and grace, this time of year brings people together. Christmas is a season of peace. Except when it's not. (laughs) Because if we're honest, ask anybody you know by mid-December every year how they're doing. And probably the first thing off their lips will not be, I am completely and utterly at peace. Ah. I love the mad rush around Christmas. I love being stressed. I love being stressed out about getting our Christmas card out. So Tiffany and I just stopped being stressed about it, and it's going to be a 4th of July card. It's just, that's what it's come to. There's a lot of stress this time of year opposed to peace. Certainly true of our family. In fact, a few weeks ago, maybe some of you that have young kids can identify to this. Maybe you experienced this on your way here tonight. And it is a victory that you are here in one piece this evening. Praise God that you're here with young kids. We're happy uh, for that. A few weeks ago, we were driving in our uh, car, our family car home as a family after a long day, and we were all tired and stressed out. Our uh, infant, our our six-month-old Evie, is just screaming at the top of her lungs because that's what she loves to do. And our lovely two-and-a-half-year-old Caleb decides to start not crying, but singing as loud as he possibly can right behind our ears. It's actually a medley A familiar medley that consists of Joy, uh, not Joy of the World, Jingle Bells, uh, Thomas the Train, and a song he learned at vacation Bible school called Jump Up and Get Crazy. So I don't know what says Christmas like that. And he's kicking the back of our chairs simultaneously with both of his feet in rhythm to his song, his medley. It's almost as if the kids conspire together and let's see who can be the most annoying for our parents on this night. And so, in our angst and our frustration, of course, being a perfect, happy little pastor's family. My wife and I turn around and we say, oh, dear, precious children, how we love your perfect heavenly voices, but now it is time to be still and know that he is God. (laughs) Do you think we said that? Absolutely not. Instead, I think I turned around and said something to the effect of, no, I'm talking to two small children. People! Can we just have one moment of peace? And there was. And it stopped. So maybe I need to call them people more often. I don't know what happened. Can we just have one moment of peace? Dig a little deeper tonight and ask yourself, maybe that question should be asked a little more often. Maybe you found yourself asking that exact question Question, can I just get a moment? Can I just get a day? Can I just get a life with a little bit more peace? God, where life doesn't have to be so difficult at times or chaotic or painful or confusing as it often is. I want to start off tonight by simply asking a question. Are you at peace? And before you answer that, I want you to think a little bit deeper. I'm not talking about was your day hectic, was your 2015 hectic, are you handling the in-laws at your house okay, or are you at peace? So think a little deeper than that. Are you at peace this Christmas on the inside? And notice I didn't say not putting on the nice Christian happy face that everything's okay, not just surviving or getting by. I often hear people say when I ask them, how's life going? Are you doing okay? Are you satisfied with life? And they'll say, oh, well, you know, can't complain. And what are we saying when we say that? That yes, there's more, but uh, it's not really possible. Or is it? Real, genuine peace. I wonder when you're quiet and all alone with your thoughts at the end of the day, when the kids have stopped screaming, when work has slowly eased off of your mind, when everybody else is quiet and you're alone with yourself and your Creator, is your heart restless for more? Even as followers of Jesus, we can know him and still not be completely at peace when we haven't let his love all the way And take it a step further. Take it a step further. Even for those of us that maybe know Jesus tonight and have experienced his love, if your circumstances stayed the way that they did right now, if nothing changed, the, the state of your relationships, the state of your finances, the state of your marriage, the state of your job, the state of your house, the state of your checkbook, whatever it is, if nothing changed, in the midst of that, Could you experience real, genuine peace? And maybe that begs a deeper question. How can we say, how is it possible that we can say we have peace when so much has gone wrong in our world? Back to the song. That was the dilemma that was facing Henry Longfellow, back in 1863. We see, we think, you probably think most Christmas songs, because they're kind of happy and joy-filled, were written by people that have lots of holiday cheer and have watched Elf and had way too much eggnog to drink or something like that. Not all Christmas songs were written that way. As it turns out, during Longfellow's life, during this American Civil War, Longfellow's oldest son, Charles, joined the Union Army. I think we have a picture of him up there as well. But he did it without his father's blessing. Because Longfellow knew, the father knew how bloody and deadly the Civil War had become by that time. And as it wasn't enough, a few months later, as Charles went off to war and rose to the rank of lieutenant, word came that he had been severely injured and even paralyzed in battle. And if that wasn't enough, just a few months later, Longfellow's wife Francis died in a freak fire accident, leaving him in utter sorrow. Little different version of the lyrics that you heard. Later on, that's why Longfellow writes in his poem, and in despair, I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth goodwill to men. It's almost like he's saying the circumstances of this world don't line up with what the angels said that night. Peace on earth? Yeah, right. Give me a break. So much for peace on earth. In fact, God, I'm pretty sure that the darkness is winning. I'm sure that there was days when Wadsworth said, you know what? I'm done with this religion stuff. I'm done with this God stuff. For sure I'm done with this church stuff. Maybe you've been there. Maybe tonight this is your first time back to a church in a while. And no, we don't look like a typical church. Yes, believe it or not, the room you're sitting in right now is a former used car dealership. And that's why I think I never want to leave here because this building is a symbol of what Christmas is. That God breaks in to the most unlikely of places, even in Des Moines, Iowa, just like he did Bethlehem. That's what Wadsworth was struggling to believe. Maybe this is your first time back to church in a while, and you too, just like Longfellow, are clinging to some wounds, some frustration, some bitterness with God, and certainly with the church. And we want you to know this is a safe place for people that are wrestling with that. If you can't wrestle with questions at church, where can you? This is a place to ask lots of questions, even if you're struggling. We want you to know you're not alone. Longfellow knew that we live in a world that is desperate for peace. And 150 years later, is our world that much different? I was thinking about the year that it's been. I mean, just pick up the newspaper or watch the evening news, right? Everything that we've seen, including the deadly Paris, atta- Paris attacks and all, all, everything going on in the news, and then I look at our preaching schedule and what the theme for Christmas Eve is this year, and it's heavenly peace. And I'm like, are you kidding me? And then on second thought, maybe we need Christmas more than ever. Maybe we need Christmas more than ever. Then maybe we live in a world not so unlike the world that Jesus stepped into. We live in a world at war where evil and corruption, where broken power structures are filled with deception and greed, often leaving the least among us oppressed and isolated, which is a perfect, perfect description of the ancient world of Palestine that Jesus stepped into 2,000 years ago. It's the story that we heard Amanda read from Luke chapter 2. God's people, the Jews, had been waiting for thousands of years for this Messiah to come, for for the light of the world to come. There was rumor that he would come maybe as an infant, as the prophecy foretold, and they wonder, there's so much darkness, when will the light of the world break in? And they knew this because of prophecies like the book of Isaiah. And we read this together from Isaiah chapter 9. Let's read it together up on the screen. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. That was the promise. Just like Longfellow, the promise was peace. The promise was nothing's ever going to happen to your kids or to your family. Until life happens, until hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years go by and God's people are still waiting. They're still in oppression. They're still facing the tyranny of the Roman government. That was not their experience, peace on earth. And after years of waiting, they had to feel completely lost, completely stuck in their circumstances, completely stuck. Something that my wife and I, every year around this time, can very much relate to. Some of you have heard this story before, but it's only appropriate and it's coming up on our fifth anniversary of this story, so I thought I would share it with you again that haven't heard it. Christmas Eve, my first year here at Lutheran Church of Hope, we experienced what I would call in our family, the Wedge. So there we were, getting ready for Christmas Eve. We were getting ready to head out. I had my suit and tie and best-looking clothes on that I have, Tiffany in her uh, dress and high heels, and we were ready to go and decked out in our very best. The problem was it had been snowing. It had been icy, kind of like today, but imagine all that freezes and then there's a couple inches of snow on top and we have a sloped driveway. So we get into our little car, ready to head out for a quiet, peace-on-earth type of evening, and I put the car in reverse. And down we go the driveway at the Anninson House, which you should know something about the Anninson driveway. If you've ever been skiing, particularly in Colorado, this would be considered maybe a double black diamond. (laughs) We're talking about a 60-degree incline here on our driveway covered with snow and ice. And I have no idea how icy it is. So we've been going down and it's frozen. So down we go and all of a sudden the back rear of our car starts to veer off to the right and I don't have control of the steering wheel and Tiffany says turn the wheel and I say I am and she says turn it again and I say I am I don't have any control and we start sliding and the back of our car goes all the way and we land completely perpendicular to our driveway wedged at 90 degrees in between the ramp the the curb and a brick wall wedged for Christmas My wife and I. So there we are. And so, okay, well, we got to get this out. And being the strong, independent, secure in my manliness male that I am, I get out of the car and say, well, I'll take care of this. And of course, I, well, first I just gun it, you know, because that'll work just spitting up more mud, and I get out of the car. Well, Tony, you, you gun it, and I'll push. You know, I'm pushing, and she's gunning it, and just, just mud and snow and ice shooting up all over my suit. So this is great. We're going to be a sight at Christmas Eve with the pastor's family. So, okay, so we need some traction. I know, let's go get some cardboard. So there, Tiffany and I are on Christmas Eve, slipping down our driveway, shoving pieces of cardboard underneath the wheels of our car that we hope doesn't roll down on top of us by this point. Well, high heels for my wife don't go very well with ice. And so she's shoving the cardboard underneath and meanwhile, it's getting closer to the service time at church, but we're not even thinking about that. And she slips, and one of her high heels slips off and goes sliding down the driveway all to the bottom. And then she slips, and she starts sliding down the driveway all to the bottom behind the car, and she's like sliding. I mean, it's like Titanic. Don't let go, John! And she's sliding down the driveway. How do you come back? And I think, I think our conversation went something like this. She said, Oh, dear husband, I have fallen, but I'm okay. And I say, oh dear honey, that's too bad. Let me help you as I slide down myself. Let's just say that shoes were thrown, (laughs) loving words were exchanged, and the marriage was strengthened on this Christmas night. I just wanted to stand up and tell the entire neighborhood that knew that we were a pastor's family and just say, hey, peace on earth everyone tonight, just peace on earth. Just not in our marriage right now. (laughs) Because the truth is, we were stuck. And no matter how hard we tried, nothing was going to get us unstuck. I told that story to a bunch of uh, kids one time in our children's ministry, and one kid came up to me afterwards and said, did you ever make it out? We'll just leave that one to the imagination. (laughs) Stuck. Quite possibly where a lot of you find yourself tonight. And I'm not just talking about stuck in the snow and the driveway. I'm talking about maybe stuck in complacency. Because some of you walked in here tonight and you said, Christmas Eve, I know the drill. Church, I know the drill. Light the candle, sing the song, get on with it. I know the drill. And for some of you, you're stuck in complacency. For others of you, you are stuck in apathy. Now, this is great, and we'll come once or twice a year, and that's great, but it's not really for me. Not really a churchy person. Well, good news, neither was Jesus. In fact, he couldn't stand churchy people. So you fit right in. Or maybe you're just... Stuck, wondering what this is all about. And when I say, do you have peace, there's something in you that goes, not really, because I know there's more. Yet one quiet night, shepherds were watching over their flocks outside of a little town called Bethlehem, and God made a way for us to get unstuck from whatever circumstances you find yourself in. We pick it up in Luke chapter 2, verse 13. It says, Suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth. Peace. Peace to those on whom his favor rests. Peace of, of the many things offered to you this Christmas. For sure, one of them you have to know is the peace of God, which scripture says transcends all understanding, meaning it doesn't make sense in the world. In the eyes of the world, that kind of peace doesn't make sense. And who can experience that peace? Is it for certain people? Is it for people that come to church every single week? Is it for people that have their lives all figured out? No, it's for those on whom his favor rests. And before we get all bent out of shape about that, Do you know that his favor rests on you tonight? You're a part of the you. You're you're included in that. He is madly in love with you. And I don't say that in some weird, cheesy way. I say that in the most strongest, most passionate way that you can talk about love. He is in love with you. And he always has been in his favor. He is so proud of you. You're his son. You're his daughter, and his favor rests on you. It's for those who are connected to him that get to know this peace, for those that let his love all the way in, not just part of the way in, all the way in. It would be easy to say, well, John, that's great. That's the, the Christmas story. And let's just all pretend that Christmas time will bring some peace to our world. You know, peace, everybody. And hopefully someday all the violence and evil will stop and we'll be in a better place if we all just think happy Christmassy thoughts. That's great, but that's not the offer of Christmas. That's not the offer of Of Jesus. You look a little closer, we're going to learn some Greek here tonight. You didn't know that, but the original word here in the Greek for peace is irene. Everybody say irene. Irene. Kind of looks like Irene, but it's not. It's irene. There's a few different meanings to irene. The first one is certainly national peace, and what they mean by that is peace between countries. Certainly, we need that. It has been that kind of year. God knows that's what we need. and The nations no longer will war with one another when hatred and violence will cease forever. And I would love to say that at Christmas, the coming of Jesus, the light of the world into the manger, well, that just put an end to all that. But that would be wrong and that would be naive. We know that's not the world that we live in. Even as followers of Jesus, there will be things, there will be questions this side of heaven that we will never understand. And as much as we try to make up trite little answers of why things happen the way they do in this world, we have to be very careful when we try to play God because we're not. Only he is. And this side of heaven, there will be some things that we do not know, but that doesn't mean that we stop working towards those things. It doesn't mean that we start, uh, stop working towards healing and peace this side of heaven. One day, God's peace will prevail. We read in, in the book of Revelation that one day, we read this at people's funerals, memorial services all the time, because it's a powerful reminder that one day, one day, there will be no more pain. There will be no more sorrow. There will be no more Tears, And for those of you that maybe have an empty seat at the Christmas dinner table this year, maybe Christmas is more important than you thought because you can still experience that peace because it doesn't end with that definition. In fact, scholars will say there's a definition that rings a little bit truer to what the angel's message was that night. Irene, The state of a soul with its salvation assured Get this, fearing nothing from God and content with its earthly lot, whatever that may be. The Messiah's peace. The Messiah's peace. I think we long for that. In that quiet moment when you're alone with your thoughts. Don't you want to know where the story ends? Don't you want to know where your story's headed? Don't you want to have assurance of that? Don't you want to know that you know or are you just going to kind of float through life? Yes, peace one day, Irene means, but for the angels that night, they were talking about a present reality. They were talking about something that you could experience right now, right here. December 23rd, 2015, you can experience peace now. And if that's true, the peace the angels talked about that night, it's got to be deeper than our circumstances. It's got to be stronger than even the darkest of evil. And if there is any doubt, Jesus says in John chapter 14, verse 27, he says this, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. So do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. That's the invitation tonight, to find peace with the one that made you, the one that knows you better than anyone else. Oh, certainly the world has its offers of of what will bring you peace. Just watch some television. (laughs) Every commercial is about that. Drawing your attention in. Just a little more in the bank, maybe. Just a little different body image. Maybe a different relationship than the one you're in now or any relationship at all. Then I'll have peace. But where the world has nothing to say is when those feelings leave and reality sets in. And what do you do with pain and sorrow and guilt and shame and fear? And when the world has nothing left to say, Jesus speaks. Christmas speaks. You don't have to live stuck forever. You do know you don't have to stay in your apathy. You do know you don't have to stay in complacency about this whole Jesus thing. You do know you don't have to stay there. Irene, Jesus says, My peace to you this Christmas is not some cheesy, cliche, I think of a Hallmark movie. I apologize if you like Hallmark movies. But it's not that kind of peace. It's not that feeling that comes and then the show's done and it's gone. His peace is an anchor for your soul. It's something that you put down and no matter what storms and winds come and rock the boat that you're living your life in on your journey, nothing will be able to shake you because there is an anchor to your soul and his name is Jesus Christ. The world can't touch that. It is an untouchable peace. I was thinking about that untouchable spirit and I couldn't help but remember a scene from one of my favorite Christmas feel-good movies, The Shawshank Redemption. <laughs> Maybe not, but the story goes that our friend Andy Dufresne was wrongfully... Uh, framed and sentenced to life in a maximum security prison in the eyes of the world, he's stuck. He is stuck in chains and isolation for the rest of his life until one day he hears the music. He hears the most beautiful voices that he's ever heard. Can you imagine going a year, five years 10 years, 50 years, without hearing music. So when he breaks in to the warden's office and puts on some opera, some souls come alive again. Let's take a look. There's something inside that they can't take from you, they can't touch, and Why? Because it's in here. Irene. The Messiah's peace. It's the music that God has put inside of your heart. And it's been there all along. The question is, will you stop to listen to it? And here in this dark and evil and broken and messy world, this is where we need it the most. This is why we need Christmas. To remind us. That hope is not lost, no matter what pops up on your television screen. No matter what happens in this world, the music still plays. Which is what happened to Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. Back to his story, lost and broken and even angry at God, the story goes that Longfellow heard the music that Christmas day. He heard the bells. He heard the bells on Christmas Day and in the midst of his son being devastated by war and the tragedy of losing his wife, the bells just kept on playing. The music just kept on playing. It didn't stop when life got difficult. The bells kept playing on and on and on. And so he writes this powerful final verse that should just rock us in our hearts and our minds tonight. Then peal the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor does he sleep. The wrong shall fail and the right prevail with peace on earth, goodwill to men. When you know the story, the words take on that much more weight. Where is God in the darkness? Where is God when evil surrounds us? right in the middle of it. Right in the middle of it. God is not some distant, irrelevant being. He is the God that as C.S. Lewis once wrote. Whispers to us. Whispers to us in our pleasures. Speaks to us in our conscience. And shouts to us in our pain. I am right here, and I am not leaving you and I will not let you go no matter where you find yourself stuck. That's why Jesus says in the Gospel of John chapter 16 in this world you will have trouble but take heart take heart this Christmas season for I have overcome the world. How strong and how unshakable is this Irene, this peace that Jesus offers to you this Christmas the world can't touch it the world can't take it away. Nothing can take it away, not even death. And in this past year, I have had the privilege and the honor of walking alongside several members of our congregation that have, felt, that have experienced life-threatening diseases and then eventually death. A few months ago, I got a call that there was a man named Rod that was at the hospital and he wanted to talk to a pastor. So I hopped in my car that was no longer wedged and I drove down to the hospital. As I started walking down the hallway, I realized I'm on the cancer treatment unit. And so I'm expecting to walk into the room to see some depressed, downtrodden, man with probably not a lot of hair. And I walk into the room and when I meet Rod, he gets up and wheels his IV cart over to me and I have never experienced someone with so much peace. And the biggest smile. And we sat down and we talked for an hour and in the midst of chemo and radiation and treatment and his body once strong and put together his body starts to fail him. His biggest concern, knowing that, as the doctor shared, he probably has weeks, maybe a month, his biggest concern is his six-year-old son that he'll be leaving behind. And he said, John, do do you think that he knows that his dad loves him? And I said, I think he does. I know he does. And then I turned to him and I looked Rod in the eyes and I said, Rod, are you at peace? And he looked back with the biggest grin and said, I have never been more at peace. I have never been more at peace, he said. That, that doesn't make any sense and he said, Pastor John, when I realized that Jesus, this <laughs> baby who became a man who is our Savior, when I realized that Jesus has defeated my sin and my death, when I realized that he has overcome death, that means the worst thing that I could ever experience, the scariest Darkest thing that this world could ever throw at us, that He's already defeated that. I've got nothing to lose, and I've got everything to live for. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. And so I, had, I, don't, I don't have anything to lose. He's He's taken care of eternity for me. And so, Pastor John, I'm choosing to live the moments and the days and the hours that I have left in light of the fact that my etern- eternity is secure. Someone heard the music. Even there in the cancer treatment unit, the bells continue to play, the music continues to play, and the Irene, the peace, the Messiah's peace, was found. Because it's in here. And even moments from death, the world can't take that from you. And it changed everything and it can change everything for you. And of course, the temptation tonight would be to leave it here, to chalk up church to your holiday to-do list and move on with your schedule. But don't underestimate the passion and the urgency behind the invitation. This wonderful two-and-a-half-year-old son that we have named Caleb was being his normal self his normal squirrely self a couple days ago, just a couple days ago, and had a bit of a fit because he couldn't make a fort on top of the stove that was in use. And he's flailing his arms and he's crying and he's swinging his arms and he's knocking things over and he's raising his voice and so Discipline Dad came out and I sat him down in his quiet time spot and I, I held his shoulders and I said, Caleb, look at me. Look at me. Now listen to me. Listen to me. I am very serious." And without hesitation, he looks back at me with all the passion and urgency as his voice, in his voice, and says, No, Daddy, I'm serious. Meanwhile, my wife is laughing hysterically on the couch while I'm trying to keep a straight face and discipline our son. And I was thinking about that this week, and we say, God, seriously, seriously, this whole church thing, seriously, this whole Jesus thing, it's not for me. And the creator of the universe that became a little baby says to you tonight, listen to me, Listen to me. No, I'm serious. I'm serious not because I want to take your joy, but because I want to give you joy. I'm serious about you finding this love and this joy and this peace that you can't find anywhere else. And as your loving Father, I so desperately want to give it to you. Of all the gifts that you will receive this Christmas season, don't miss this one. You are loved more than you will ever know. Receive this gift. Receive this gift. Let's take a look. Have you heard the music tonight? Have you experienced his peace? Not just in words, But in the reality of your heart. This gift is for you. The light of the world has entered into your world, and He wants to give you this gift tonight. So at this time, I'm going to invite our ushers forward, and if you would reach under your chair and find the candle that is underneath there, take it out and get ready for that. In a moment, the ushers will begin to light your candles. If you need one, simply ask one of the ushers and they'll be coming down the aisles and we simply ask that you tilt the unlit candle tonight. And as we experience this tradition, may you know that this evening, that this isn't simply a tradition, it's not simply something where we go through the motions. The light of Jesus Christ is breaking into the darkness of this world. And his peace is for you. It's that serious. It means that much. He's serious about you experiencing the light of his love. And so as we sing this old familiar hymn tonight, maybe you'll sing it in a brand new way. As we sing, Sleep in heavenly peace. Sleep in heavenly peace. May you know that peace tonight.